Welcome to the OCC Podcast. Whether you're listening to this at home, on the road, at work, or in the gym, we're so glad you decided to join us as we study God's Word together. We hope and pray that through this ministry, you will grow in your relationship with God as well as become a chair for disciple maker. But for now, sit back and let us help you see how the Bible applies to your life today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And it was so, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And the Lord commanded you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. But when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and describable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and the land and though the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we call we all once lived and lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind for the wages of sin is death but god's unfailing love came through jesus christ For the people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in a land where where death cast its shadow, a light will shine for us. A child is born to us, a son is given. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins.
And he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of a Skull. There they crucified him. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So now we can rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. By his wounds we have been healed. bit ago, we finished this incredible journey through scripture. And, and thank you to our, to our awesome readers. You guys did an amazing job. Hope you noticed that everything that they read was directly out of, script, uh, out of scripture. Scripture is powerful and speaks for itself. And, and the journey that we took dropped us into understanding more of, of where we've been and, and what God has done through this incredible journey. We saw throughout scripture that life was a gift given by God for humanity, a gift that was corrupted and shattered through sin, the same sin that every human being is born with, the same sin that separates us from God. We saw through this scriptural journey that God sent his son, Jesus, as a gift of life to humanity who was stuck in their sin, a gift that was given was life, a gift of life that was found in the sacrifice on the cross. Where we ended our journey was with Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. And that was intentional with ending with Jesus being dead. That is because the day that we celebrate today is Good Friday. Good Friday is the day that Jesus died, the day that he breathed his last. Good Friday is the day that was filled with a gruesome sacrifice of a willing but innocent man. Good Friday is the day that hope died. As I was preparing for tonight, I kept finding myself thinking of what it must have been like on Good Friday all those years ago. If you will, stay in that moment and, and think that process with me here for a second. Think about how incredibly scary and stressful this day was for Jesus' disciples. It is the day that their Messiah was crucified and they were left without hope. Think for a second of the tension of Good Friday, for the darkness of that day, the sheer terror that all the disciples were feeling. The disciples believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. They thought that he was, that he was the conquering king that was going to free them from the Romans and provide them salvation. Just several days before on Palm Sunday, the disciples had watched as Jesus was paraded into Jerusalem on a donkey like a conquering king. Palm Sunday must have convinced all the disciples that, it was it, that this was it. What they had been waiting for was now happening. Jesus now was going to take his throne as the king of Israel. But now, just several days later, 
Jesus has been arrested by the Jewish religious leadership, falsely accused of crimes, taken before Rome where the Jews turned on him. Jesus was then sentenced to death by Rome, beaten to a bloody pulp, once again paraded through the city, but not as a conquering king this time, but as a criminal on his death march to the cross. Upon reaching a hill outside of the city called the Skull, their Messiah, their teacher, their savior, their friend, was horrifically crucified upon a cross for all to see. He breathed his last and it was final as the Roman soldier speared his side. Think about the darkness, the finality of Good Friday for the disciples. Think about the hope that was built up for three and a half years only to be crushed in a matter of hours. In all senses, Good Friday is not good. The death of Christ at face value is not good. For the disciples, Good Friday did not seem good. And for believers for the last 2,000 years, Good Friday can seem to be a struggle to see as good. But yet it's called Good Friday. Famous Christian author Randy Alcorn once said this, what is good about Good Friday? Why isn't it called Bad Friday? Because out of the appallingly bad came what was inexpressibly good. And the good triumphs the bad because though the bad was temporary, the good is eternal. Friends, you see, Good Friday is only good because out of the death of the Son of God, our Savior, Messiah, and King, comes good. What is the good that comes from that? It is the resurrection of Jesus on the third day, proving that he is all that he says he is. He is the Son of God. He has conquered death. He's bringing salvation to all mankind. He's sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. His death is good. It's only good because what it means for us as sinners who are without hope, who are dead in our sins, that without a Savior are dead, his death is good for us. But it's only good because of the resurrection that followed. While we can understand Jesus' death and resurrection and understand that, that together they're good, the importance for us as believers is that we must accept it and allow it to change our lives. We must even go to the step of identifying with both his resurrection and his death. The Apostle Paul gives an incredible explanation of this in Romans 6. If you have your Bibles, you want to join me in Romans 6. We're going to start in verse 1. We also be up on the screen for us. Paul starts in verse 1 of, of chapter 6, and he says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ's death were baptized, I'm sorry, baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if, we've, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Here in Romans 6, Paul formulates this idea of willful sin and living in sin without repentance. He starts in verse 1 by talking about the idea of continuing to willingly commit sin just because we have been given grace. Paul's speaking of the idea of someone who knows that God has forgiven them of their sins, have given them grace. God has given believers eternal life in the face of eternal death. So Paul is saying that a believer is to not willingly sin just so they can use up or enjoy the forgiveness or grace they've been given by God. This makes me think of the many times I've taken students to summer camp, winter camp, silver, Silverwood, or, or the likes. Their parents send them money for their time, but they've decided, the students have decided that they have to spend every last penny. That they get in their brains that, that their parents gave them whatever, $50, but they have to just spend it on everything instead of enjoying it and saving it and maybe even giving it back to their parents. Paul is saying that as believers, we aren't supposed to abuse our God-given grace just because we have it. Instead, we are to flee from sin so as to celebrate the grace that we've been given. But Paul is saying in the following verses why we are to do this. It is because we have died to our sin. Paul uses this idea in verse 3 that we've been baptized into Christ's death. Paul is trying to help believers understand that, that we've been submerged into the death of Christ. Paul's wanting believers to understand that being a believer means that we welcome the death of Christ. That our identity as a believer is to acknowledge and identify with Christ's death. But being a believer must mean that our very identity as a believer must be built on the fact that Jesus died. In verses 4 through 6, Paul writes what I believe is the main point of this entire passage. He says this, and you look back up at your screen. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we've been, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Paul is saying that believers must be washed and submerged in the death of Christ because when we identify with the death of Christ and like Christ died on the cross, we can fully grasp that we have died to the captivity of sins in our own life. Paul wants believers to understand that we are called to not willingly live in sin. Because if we identify with the death of Christ, and just like he died on the cross, we die to our sins. And we must also know that Jesus has raised from the dead, and we are also raised to new life in Christ. What Paul is saying here is this incredible dichotomy that we must understand. It's the incredible two parts of how humanity is saved. We are saved through the death of Christ on the cross, the very event that happened on Good Friday. His death set into motion the ability for believers to escape the eternal death that was required as punishment for our sins. Jesus stepped into the place of our death. However, Paul is saying that if we accept and welcome the death of Christ, we must rid or die to sin. If we as believers say, yes, I believe that Jesus died, then we must turn and die to our sins, fleeing from them, not allowing sin to consume us, not willingly living in sin. 
But then Paul talks about the second part of what it means to be saved. We are to identify with Jesus' death and dying to our own sins. And we must also welcome the resurrection of Jesus on the third day, Easter Sunday. If we say Jesus has died, then we must also say that Jesus has rose again and conquered death. We are to identify with the resurrection of Jesus, which means that we must live in the new life that we've been given. Friends, the death and resurrection of Jesus has brought us new life. It has made us new. The resurrection of Jesus proved that he is the son of God, that he has done what no one else can. He's overcome death. When we accept these truths and live by them, we are made new. The old life before Christ that was dominated by sin is now dead and we are given a new life built on Christ. So my question for us is this. What does it look like for us to live a new life on the death and resurrection of Jesus? There's a story told of a young girl who accepted Christ as her savior. She turned around and applied for membership at her local church. Were you a sinner before you received the Lord Jesus into your life, inquired an old deacon. Yes, sir, she replied. Well, are you still a sinner, asked the deacon. To tell you the truth, I feel I am a greater sinner than ever, answered the young girl. Then what real change have you experienced, the deacon pressed. I don't quite know how to explain it, she said, except I used to be a sinner running after sin. But now that I am saved, I'm a sinner running from sin. This is new life, a change that is only possible by accepting and identifying with the death and resurrection of Jesus. For believers, we live in a in new life when we, with each day when we make intentional decisions to choose Christ over choosing sin. This doesn't mean that we won't struggle with sin, but instead that we are not willingly living in it. But Paul speaks this idea in the rest of the passage, starting in verse 7. If you look back, we're going to reread some of this so we can grasp what's going on here. Starting in verse 7, Paul writes this. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul makes it clear that a new life in Christ that is built on his death and resurrection is a new life that is not chasing sin. We will still experience sin, but we are not living in it or chasing it. Resurrected life is a life that is new and changed because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Friends, Good Friday is an incredible reminder for believers of what Jesus went through to give us new life. The horror, the pain, and the death on Good Friday is good because it is what gave us new life. It is what allowed believers to accept and welcome and live by both the death and resurrection of Jesus. As we leave tonight, I want to challenge us with two things. Firstly, take time tonight and tomorrow to sit and process the tension and horror of what Jesus experienced. That may seem not enjoyable, but it's something that we need to spend time in. Go back to one of the gospel accounts and reread the end of Jesus' life. Even if you've read it many times, maybe watch a portrayal of this, Passion of Christ, watch something. Sit in the tension. Take time there so that you can truly grasp what Jesus went through for you. 
Take time to truly understand how horrific Good Friday truly was. Take enough time in the tension of what happened on Good Friday so you can grasp the importance of why living in the new life that we've been given truly is. The horror and gore of Good Friday is not without purpose because it highlights the joy, purity, and life that comes with Christ raised from the dead three days later. Easter is coming, which highlights the new life that we've been given. But Good Friday must come first. Allow the sacrifice of Jesus on Good Friday to drive you to the resurrection of Jesus and the new life that we must live in each and every day. Which brings us to our second challenge. I want to challenge us to live in the new life that we've been given. Oh, see, see, we've been given new life because of Jesus' death. Let us, as believers, not continue to live in sin. Let us not identify with the beginning of Romans 6 and those who live in sin just to take advantage of the grace and forgiveness that we've been given. Instead, I pray that we will truly desire to turn from sin each and every day. That when we are tempted with sin, when sin is easily reachable, that we will run from it. That we will choose to live in the new changed life that we've been given. The new changed life that was only made possible because of what happened on Good Friday. Friends, we all struggle with sin and will until the day that we meet Jesus. But we aren't held captive by it because of Jesus' death. Please hear me. Don't go back and pick up the chains of sin that held you captive. Instead, live in the freedom given to you through Jesus' death. Live changed on the foundation of new life. I praise God for giving his son so that we can identify with his death and resurrection. I praise God for the new life that we've been given. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for sending your son we thank you for the sacrifice of his on the cross for us. Good Friday is good. May we see how good it is because of the sacrifice. May we realize that it is good because Easter is coming. The resurrection is coming. We know that. May we not forget that. May we not lose sight of that in the festivities of, of this weekend. May we truly, as believers, identify both with the death and the resurrection and allow, us to, allow that to change us. Allow that to be what we build our life on. That not just this weekend, but instead that is what drives us each and every day. That is what drives us to live changed in the new life. Christ, Christ's resurrection changed everything for us. But Good Friday had to come first. Father, we thank you and we love you. We, are, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to give to our ministry, please check out our website at lewistonocc.org. And don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast, as well as our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, so you're always up to date with what's going on here at Orchards Community Church. Take care, and God bless.